just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. Had some big news yesterday. We'll be talking about it. This world gets crazier. This country gets more fucked up every day. It's because who's in control? And we've got to make some significant changes in that if we have hopes for this country in the future. But before we get started, of course, I have some emails I'd like to address. I have three of them today. If you'd like to send me an email, you can do that at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Questions, comments, complaints, jokes, I don't give a shit. I just like hearing from you. If you want to leave a voicemail, you can go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer, and leave a voicemail message. Now, there's something else on the anchor.fm app. Uh, I get this from time to time. People will hit some button. I don't even know it exists. And then I'll find out later, well, you missed an opportunity to record with such and such. I don't even know what that means. I didn't know that was a feature on Anchor.fm. And frankly, uh, the idea that you just hit the button and hope I'll pop in and be able to record with you, that's not how it works. But I did make a point uh, in the last podcast to tell you that I'm open to talking to uh, some of our listeners. But we got to set it up a little bit. i got to know what's going on and be able to set everything in order. So send me an email. If you have an interest in talking on the show, have some questions, comments, or some areas you'd like to talk about, by all means, just uh, just send me an email. We'll set it up. We'll hook up on Zoom or something, and, and, and we'll talk. I have no problem with that. But just that button, I don't even know what that is. But I'm not going to know what's going on. And even if I did, I wouldn't necessarily be in a position to sit down and talk at that point. I've got a wife of 38 years old, and when I'm not doing this, she pretty much controls what my schedule is. So for you to pop up in the middle of any time, anywhere, that's probably not going to work. All right, let's get to the emails. First one, hey, Mike, greetings and salutations. I just wanted to say that you are not a racist. Being black, I've listened to you long enough to know that there isn't a racist bone in your body. If you were, your words would have betrayed your innermost feelings somewhere along the line. If someone black fucks up, you call it. If you're white, uh, you call it. If they are green, you'd call it the way it is. In my opinion, you appear to be totally colorblind and call balls and strikes no matter who's at bat. There's no need for introspection, as that would probably be a waste of your time. Donald Trump claimed he was the least racist person on the planet, but his words told an entirely different story. This isn't true for you. I was going to sign this as anonymous, but in this case, I'll stand behind my words and sign off as Bruce. Well, Bruce, thank you very much. And I'm sure Bruce is... uh, writing in reference to an email I got yesterday. And uh, thank you for standing up for me. Thank you for believing that I'm not a racist because I'm not. Racism is just fucking stupid. It makes no sense. It's not logical. I mean, regardless of what the color of your skin, your hair, your eyes, whatever, it doesn't really fucking matter. I I, um, 
I won't say I'm colorblind because people say, um, people say, I don't see color. Well, of course I see color. I see if someone's black. I see if someone's Native American. I see if someone's Hispanic or Asian. I see that. I just don't see any difference <laughs> between them and me. Because, frankly, there is no fucking difference. So, Bruce, I appreciate that. And I, I don't think that guy was really uh, calling me a racist. I think he what he was doing is he was trying to get me to think. And I like those kinds of questions because he makes a point. You know, a lot of racism and prejudice is kind of deep down inside us just because of how we were raised. And it may not seem racist, but ultimately it is. So we all have to be careful of that. I, you know, in terms of the whole racist thing, I don't even consider it because it's not an issue that's that that makes any sense to me. There's there's no reason to question in my mind whether I am or not, because it's not about race at all. Anyway. Next up, hey, Mike, just wanted to see if you had seen the governor of Alabama's Kay Ivey's recent commercial. I figured you didn't get them up there in the cold tundra, so wanted to share the love. I've linked a couple along with an interview for your entertainment. Funny thing is, shortly after the election, she was all so glad it was a peaceful transition. And now she's moved into racist name-calling. Also, at one time, blamed the unvaccinated for the pandemic. However, now it's all politics and elections, so the fight is on. So sad for our country and for the people of Alabama. I'm trying to talk my husband into getting on your podcast with you at some point. He's much better spoken than me when it comes to politics. Thanks for being a rational boomer, Jennifer. Well, thank you, Jennifer. And I hadn't seen the commercials. I was familiar with your uh, Governor Kay Ivory, Ivy, I'm sorry. Um, and I did look at the commercials in the links you sent me. Now, you're right. Around the time of the pandemic, I saw her being interviewed. And uh, she did fault the unvaccinated for the pandemic. And when I saw that, I thought, well, she doesn't seem too bright. But at least she's speaking up for the right side. Maybe we've got a got a um, uh, some support down there in Alabama. But now after seeing the uh, commercials you sent along, and all I can say about her, with all due respect and uh, with the sincerest heart, all I can say about her, she's a dumb bitch. She is stupid. She can't put together a sentence. She's got some weird ideas about race, about politics, about stolen elections. And, and, the, and the trouble is, is when somebody does what, they, what she's doing, when somebody acts like that, especially in politics these days, you don't know if they're just stupid or they have no integrity and they will jump on any bandwagon to get fucking votes. Now, as much as she sound fairly sane regarding the pandemic, at least in the shortcuts I saw, she's totally off the off the uh, off the ledge on this shit. She sees a way that she thinks she's going to get votes, so she's going to jump on that bandwagon. And unfortunately, that seems to be all too common in politics today. These people don't have any integrity. They will say anything it takes to get. Um, votes. And if it means siding with Donald Trump or some of the ideology that he's throwing around, she doesn't care. Even if she doesn't believe it, it doesn't matter. 
It's a means to an end. I'll lie, cheat, and steal just so I can get my power, so I can get my salary, so I can get my position. Yeah, I got to be honest, Jennifer, after looking at those commercials, I don't have a lot of respect for the woman. Unfortunately, I'm not surprised the kind of person she is and her lack of intelligence and articulation. She's not, not a very bright woman. You can tell by just listening to her. But she only has to compete with Donald Trump, and Donald Trump is dumb as fuck. This is really the core problem in our country. And this isn't limited to just Republicans. Please understand this. I side with the Democrats because we've got a mess on the Republican side, and the Democrats are the only way to shut it down, if they can do it. But let me assure you, there are plenty of people on the Democratic side that aren't much better than what we're seeing on the Republican side. Siding with the Democrats for me, again, like uh, like Kay Ivey, is a means to an end. We've got to somehow shut down Donald Trump, the Trump administration, the Trump fucks, the ideology, the racism, and all this fucking ridiculous stuff. We've got to shut it down. And I'll join forces with anybody who's willing to try to do that. And at this point, that happens to be the Democrats. Now, generally speaking, I do like the Democrats better than the Republicans because typically they're more likely to work for the people and help the people that pay the most taxes, the middle class, the lower income people, and that sort of thing. But if they get complete power, absolute power, don't trust them because they are politicians and they will take advantage. Right now, they're doing a lot of things for the people because that's what they need to do to beat the Republicans. The real test will be is if they get a larger majority in the House, a larger majority in the Senate. They aren't being obstructed by the Republicans. Manchin and Cinema are irrelevant. When we get to that point, we will see how willing they are to work with us when they don't have to. Now, if they do, and I'm not saying they won't, but it's something you got to watch out for. I mean, we've had Democrats and Republicans in power at different times for decades and decades all my life. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen either side come up and say, you know, we really got to do some good for the middle class. It just doesn't happen. The rich people always do well, regardless of what side is in power. So I'm waiting to make a final judgment on the Democrats. I like what they're doing and what they're saying now. I like the idea they might be the ones that knock out the Republicans, but... uh, (laughs) I learned in business, don't fucking trust anybody until they earn it, because uh, you can't. You're you're, you're just bound to get disappointed. All right, the last email says, hey, Boomer, long-time listener. With midterms coming up uh, to help voter turnout, there could be many strategies. One of them could be a standardized cheat sheet. On this cheat sheet, a spreadsheet would list the candidates' positions on all key issues. It would simply read for or against. Voters who are not willing to research candidates at least would have something to cross-reference on key issues. As democracy has been under attack, more information should be available to assist and educate voters in a simple format. A spreadsheet format for easy access would help voters. We should go one step further and have a national holiday for voting. Your thoughts? 
Well, first and foremost, there's no question it should be a national holiday. There should be no issue, no reason why somebody can't vote. You know, whenever you want to do something with somebody, the natural uh, excuse is, I got to work. And what are you going to say if you got to work? Now, granted, they're supposed to be able to give people time to go vote, but um, that's not always the case. And, and, and what they offer them isn't always as uh, flexible and as good as what it should be. So it should be a national holiday. People should be off. They should be focusing on the important issue at hand, and that is voting. Now, I like the idea of the cheat sheet. Quite frankly, I think, you know, when we look at our media and we look at our government, everything is so convoluted that nobody understands anything. But part of the problem is people just don't have the interest or the motivation to dig in, dig deep, and find out what the truth is. Now, these cheat sheets would be good, but I still question whether people will take the time to read them. Will they comprehend them? I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence. I would hope they'd take the time to look at them because it's a good idea. I mean, like I say, everything's so convoluted, you can't get the truth out of it unless you really dig into it. And most people won't do that. Frankly, that's part of the reason why I do what I do here with Rational Boomer on the podcast and TikTok. I like to break it down into simple terms, easy to understand terms, because everything is so confusing. Once I can take the facts and boil it down and give it to you, hopefully that makes you more informed and gives you a better chance to come up with uh, uh, opinions and make the proper choices. I hope, anyway, that's my hope to help out that way. And what you're suggesting is exactly what I'm trying to do, and I'm all for that. I think it's a good idea. It's just a matter of will it get distribution where enough people will see it, and will those people take the time to investigate it? I guess we don't know until we try, but at this point, I think we should try all the things we can possibly try, because we've got some important issues to worry about. Now, I will tell you this. I think the Republicans are doing a good job for the Democrats. They got a lot of shit going on. They got a lot of shit going on, and it's all negative. We've got the January 6th commission going to be coming out with televised hearings. There's going to be a lot of evidence uh, exposed and a lot of people exposed. That's going to kind of push people away from the Republican Party. We've got uh, this new thing, and we're going to talk about that here very quickly. Uh, it's about the Supreme Court with a draft opinion wanting to overturn Roe v. Wade. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Uh, One of the reasons I think the midterms are going to be bad for the Republicans are exactly what I'm saying here. We've got all these issues coming out with January 6th and those investigations. We've got uh, them trying to marginalize people of color with suppressing votes. They're trying to cancel transgendered folks and just trying to make their lives more difficult. And now we've got this thing where they're trying to overturn Roe v. Wade. I mean, you think about this for a minute. Roe v. Wade is taking constitutional rights away from women. They make up 51% of this country. That's a way to win an election by pissing off more than half of the country. But they don't stop there. They're pissing off and alienating people of color, transgendered folks, LGBTQ, 
They're pissing off a lot of people. And it's like they're putting all their hope into old white men or stupid old white women. And I just don't think there's enough of them. I think we're going to have enough anger and fear at the midterms amongst the Democrats that they're going to come out in full force. And I think a lot of people in between that would normally vote Republican that have to make a different decision now because these fuckers are crazy. Well, I think these kinds of things are going to tip the scale. I mean, this whole thing about this overturning Roe v. Wade, I, I don't think they know what they're fucking getting into in this thing. I mean, it's pretty crazy, to be perfectly honest with you. So, well, let's get into that. We'll talk about this through the whole show. Uh, a Supreme Court draft opinion by Justice Alito was just leaked. It is this draft opinion of the Supreme Court that essentially and preliminarily voted to overturn Roe v. Wade, overturning abortion. Now, as I said, this is a draft opinion. So this isn't a done deal yet, but we can see where they're headed. And all indications show that they probably go to overturn Roe v. Wade. A couple of things that upset me or concern me about this thing. One thing I think is kind of weird. They say this draft opinion was leaked from the Supreme Court. You know how many times something leaked from the Supreme Court? I think never. It's never happened. I mean, it's more likely you'll get something leaked from the mafia, let alone the uh, Supreme Court. So how did this get out there? Did they do it on purpose just to kind of set the tone and take the edge off as they get closer to making this decision? Did somebody who's working in the Supreme Court like a clerk get upset about this and leak it out to try to expose them? I don't know. But something's going on there, and this is a very important time. That's big news on two levels. Like I said, first, the fact that something like this leaked from the Supreme Court, that makes no fucking sense. Secondly, because this isn't a done deal, there's going to be a lot of people talking and arguing about this. I don't know that they can change anything because the Supreme Court seems to be already settled on this. Now, with a 6-3 Republican split, this isn't exactly a surprise. But at the same time, it's stunning we have 50 years of Roe v. Wade said to be settled law. Now they're looking to potentially overturn it. At the same time, there are probably 70% of the country that agrees and supports Roe v. Wade. So you got more than two-thirds of the country supporting Roe v. Wade, but somehow the Republicans, the conservatives the evangelicals in the Supreme Court seem to know better for you and I. You need to understand this is a major turning point. Be clear that the effort to overturn Roe v. Wade is the doing, as I said, of the Republicans, the conservatives, and the evangelicals. No one else is in on this. Again, the vast majority of the country supports Roe v. Wade, but these people... These people think differently, and they aren't the majority, which is kind of an important thing amongst a democracy. 
The ironic thing is that this push is coming from largely boomers and maybe some Gen Xers. And guess what? These people aren't having fucking babies. They're too goddamn old. I'm, I'm concerned that they may have awakened. I'm not concerned for me. I'm concerned for them that they may have awoken a sleeping giant by way of the millennials and the Gen Zers. Now, I really don't know how much they participate in elections. I don't know that they do much, or maybe they do. But what you have to understand is this overturning of Roe v. Wade isn't going to affect me or most of you out there in the audience because we're old. We're past the stage of having kids. But our kids and our grandkids and the Gen Zers and all these people, these laws that are going to be overturned are going to affect them. Not us, but them. We don't want to see it done because it's just wrong. But these people, men and women, have to look at this. They have to understand what is going on here. And hopefully that wakes them up to realize, you know, look, we need to step up and start taking control of our future, our destiny. There are 70 million baby boomers. That's a big chunk of people. Unfortunately, a large chunk of those boomers will vote fucking Republican every time. But the millennials are even bigger than the boomers. There's more than 70 million people. Let's be honest. 81 million people voted for Joe Biden. 74 million people voted for Donald Trump. So if you've got 70 million millennials alone, not even considering the Gen Zers, they could control the future of this country if any every one of them went out and voted. And I hope they understand this and they see this, how important it is, because this is going to change everything in this country. Now, if the millennials and the Gen Zers decide not to do anything about it, as I say, They are the ones that are going to suffer the consequences. They are the ones that are going to have to deal with the fallout from this. This changes the whole landscape of this country. This changes the landscape of the relationship between women and government and women and this country. It's really a dangerous thing at this point. And I hope they understand that. So I think as boomers and Gen Zers and such, we need to make a hard push at trying to get millennials and Gen Zers to understand this. Now, I'm not saying they're stupid. My kids are millennials, and they're very bright. They're brighter than I am. But, you know, you get caught up in life. When you're young, you've got all these other issues you've got to deal with. You never think about the future. <laughs> Let me tell you about not thinking about the future. I was thinking about the moment when I was a young man. I didn't put money away because I had to use the money I had to in order to raise the family and pay the bills. However, thankfully, I married a bright woman, and she did, and she put away a large sum of money. Well, large to me uh, and her. But when you're young, you don't always think about the future. Like I've said before, I'm 62 years old. Nowhere in my life did I ever imagine I would be 62 years old. Not that I thought I would die young. or I just didn't imagine that that could ever happen. Well, here I fucking sit, 62 years old. My future is behind me. I've got some future in front of me. But for the most of it, I lived it. 
Now I got to look after my kids and my grandkids. And this is a very pivotal moment in this country. And it's absolutely crucial for my kids and my grandkids, your kids and your grandkids. And I hope they recognize that. And I hope they understand that they have some power to change everything. And I hope against hope that they do that. All right, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. With the news of SCOTUS coming out and considering the idea of overturning Roe v. Wade, I really do hope this woke up the uh, millennials and the Gen Zers. That's why I think the Republicans, conservatives, and evangelicals should be concerned about getting what they ask for. It may not be the best thing. We have the Republicans literally taking constitutional rights away from women. 51% of our population, and it's specifically pointed at the young people, millennials and Gen Zers. Now, if they don't like this, they're going to have to vote Democrat. There's just no two ways about it. There's a lot of younger people that like to vote Republican because they think they understand what's going on, but the fact of the matter is they don't. I think that Republicans are feeling their power is slipping away. At this point, it's all or nothing moment for them. This is their last chance to overturn Roe v. Wade. And for decades, that's been the basis in their elections or in their uh, races. They're always talking about Roe v. Wade. And I, I think a lot of the Republicans didn't think it would ever happen that they'd overturn it. But they spoke the words because they knew it would resonate with the trump or Republicans that follow them. So I have to think there's some Republicans right now a little concerned about this. Because if they get what they want or what they've been asking for all these years, it may not wear well for them. The problem is the cost to Republicans. Taking a constitutional right away from women and then inflicting their will on the younger generation. How does that help Republicans? It really doesn't. I mean, it's like trashing a hotel room just before you leave. It might be kind of fun, but you're going to get a call later, and you're going to have to pay the bill. This is truly a turning point in this country, not to mention the potential end of the Republican Party, and I mean that. They know their power is slipping away. They know they wanted to overturn Roe v. Wade. And I think once they do that, they think it's a big win, but apparently they're not reading the numbers. 70% of the people in this country support Roe v. Wade. So you overturn it, you're going to piss off 70% of this country. Which makes some sense because we know the base, Donald Trump's base, is about 30%. But the problem is, is you can't win an election with 30% of the votes. It's, it either has to do with stupidity or arrogance. I, I don't understand the concept. I mean, they have basically marginalized 
people of color with their suppression of votes. They're trying to cancel LGBTQ people. They're taking away abortion rights, a constitutional right away from women. That's a lot of people to alienate and still think you're going to win an election. Another thing to keep in mind is they can take the, if they can take these rights away, if they don't like abortion rights and they can game the system to get this done, they can take the rights away from anybody for any reason. I mean, I think this is a very important point in our country. When our government takes away any constitutional right we have, that is a big red fucking flag. Because if they can take away one and they're successful, well, shit, they're going to try to take away another one. You know what's going to happen. And if we're talking about Republicans and the evangelicals, they're going to take away abortion rights. And then they're going to say gay people can't get married. Then they're going to take away uh, LGBTQ rights. And who knows? Maybe they'll go all the way to civil rights because they're a fucking bunch of racists. People have to understand the danger of this whole decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. It is absolutely frightening that they are doing this, and they think they can get away with it. Now, this leaked draft draft opinion, this brings up another issue regarding the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has been very sensitive about people's perception of the court. They believe that if people have the wrong perception, it could diminish the power of the Supreme Court. They don't like to be considered partisan, yet they act partisan. They wanted to be above reproach, yet there is a sitting justice that is married to a woman that literally attempted to overthrow our government. And he's refused to recuse himself in any court cases that might be connected to her or some of the organizations she's involved in. Well, that's fucking troubling. And apparently, there is nothing that we can do to hold this justice accountable. I've said this before. Now they're talking about, well, we should have some ethics codes in the Supreme Court. What? We don't have them already? Yes, they are the Supreme Court and they are justices, but they are humans. They are fallible, potentially crooked, potentially treasonous. And it looks like Clarence Thomas may be one of those people. He should recuse himself in any cases that have to do with his wife or organization she's connected to. He's supposed to recuse himself, but it's like the honor code. He doesn't have to stop. Nobody can tell him to stop. Not even the chief justice can tell him shit. If he's going to keep uh, joining in on these uh, cases he should be recusing himself from, nobody's going to fucking stop him. That's the one thing about our government that we found in the last six years. These norms, these rules, these regulations, they're unenforceable, they're fucking weak, and that needs to change because we're dealing with a lot of bad people. Now, the important thing is is that the Supreme Court's approval rating right now has never been lower in history. The legitimacy and credibility of the Supreme Court is slipping away. And that's what I heard somebody say, but i got to be honest with you at this point. I don't think they have any legitimacy, integrity, or credibility. And that's a sad day when our Supreme Court doesn't have any of those things. That's the moment our Supreme Court becomes weak and useless 
And why do we have them anymore? In the bigger picture, think about this. In the bigger picture, all three branches of our government have been damaged, discounted, since Donald Trump took office in 2016. Obviously, the office of the presidency was weakened by Donald Trump's behavior. We've got sitting members of Congress that were involved in an attempt to overthrow our government, a literal coup. They're sitting in our Congress. And now the Supreme Court, we've got all problems with them. They are hyper-partisan. They are doing things that they said they wouldn't do. I mean, all these people that got on the court recently were asked about Roe v. Wade, and they go, oh, no, that's settled law. We would never touch that. And now that they're in their seats and nobody can touch them, they have a change of attitude about it. Now somehow they see a way that they can see it through to overturn settled law. This is really a fucking mess, to be perfectly honest with you. Our government as a whole is in a perfect mess. I mean, it's better in the White House, in the executive branch, because Joe Biden is there. That helps. It's settled down. It's gotten better. But we need all three branches working together if we have any hopes, any hopes at all, of getting this thing back on track. But until we see some accountability in our Congress, the people involved in the insurrection, we're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to gain any ground. If we don't get some accountability in our uh, Supreme Court, we can't make any headway. And as it turns out, at least in the Supreme Court, it doesn't look like we have any options. There is no power. Any laws that uh, are associated with the uh, Supreme Court have no fucking teeth. We can't do anything. And that is a horrible mistake. I mean, we hear about the Constitution. We hear about how this government was set up. And we hear how it's a perfect plan or a perfect situation. Well, it's not. I mean, apparently our forefathers gave no thought to seeing uh, uh, totally unscrupulous people being in our government. I think they did. That's why they opened up some options for impeachment and all that sort of thing. And as I understand, they are going to look at impeachment for Clarence Thomas. Whether they will accomplish that, I don't know. It's going to depend largely on how they do in the midterms. If we can get a bigger margin in the Senate, a bigger margin in the House, theoretically, they could get away with impeaching him. they got to pass the House. It's just like the impeachment of the president. They can get impeached in the House. The president, a sitting justice on the Supreme Court, they can get impeached. But the next step is the Senate. And if the Senate convicts, then they're gone. But as we saw with Bill Clinton, with the Democrats, and as we've seen with Donald Trump, if it's a close enough race in the Senate, uh, they're either going to vote against convicting him or they will limit the number of people on the, on the respective uh, party side so they don't get a supermajority and you have to get a supermajority. So if you get a 51-50 split, uh, that's not enough. So these people that get impeached, like Donald Trump, go to get convicted, and they don't get convicted. Now, these people think that, well, then I wasn't impeached. No, you were fucking impeached. You just didn't get convicted and kicked out. 
that's where we're at with Clarence Thomas. Now, that could conceivably happen if somehow we are able to make a bigger split, a larger majority in the House and the Senate. And that's all contingent on the midterms coming up in November. Now, um, I wanted to read this for you because I thought this was compelling. Here's a recent tweet from Donald Trump's niece, Mary, Mary Trump, regarding the news of SCOTUS overturning Roe v. Wade. Now, if you've seen Mary on TV, she's a very bright woman. She's a psychologist, I believe. Um, and she's usually pretty pretty low-key. I mean, she keeps her temper pretty well. But check out this tweet she sent. Fuck this illegitimate SCOTUS. Fuck the Republican Party that enabled this. And if you don't care that this decision makes women second-class citizens, fuck you too. We don't have the luxury of time. We need to fight now. It's Democrats versus fascists in 2022. Vote accordingly. And she hits it right on the nail. Absolutely. This is serious shit. Now, if you grew up in the 60s or the 70s, you may remember how hard women fought to get rights. Now, of course, you remember the uh, protests and, and demonstrations uh, against the war and uh, for civil rights and that sort of thing. But in the mix was women's rights. I mean, hell, there was an equal rights amendment that they tried to pass back then, and it never did. Who's voting against equal rights for women? But you know what? It's 2022. That fucking thing still hasn't passed. I don't know what the problem is and, and how these people keep getting votes if they vote against equal rights for women. I mean, let me put it to you this way. I grew up in the 60s, and my mom was in a much different situation than my wife is. She didn't drive, not at first. Not that she didn't want to drive. Uh, it's just that Women didn't drive then. Men did all the driving. Did you know in the 1960s and maybe the early 70s, women weren't even allowed to have a credit card? I mean, that's not that fucking long ago. Women couldn't be trusted with a credit card. Now, credit cards weren't as prevalent back then as they are now, but women were really second-class citizens at that time. And in the 60s and 70s, they got fed up with it. They said, fuck this. We need to have our rights. It seems weird now to say that, right? That women were mad and they were fighting for equal rights, equal pay, just to be treated equally. It seems ridiculous to even say that now, but back then it was a thing. And it was weird. You know, in the 60s, if you ever watched the Leave it to Beaver or some of these other family shows, that's kind of how it was, at least for me. There were four kids living in South Minneapolis. Dad went off to work every day, made as much money as he could. Mom was always home with us. Before we were in school, she tried to keep us busy, give us little projects, art projects, all that shit. And then when she, when we went to school, she got involved in the school. She was on the PTA. Once a week while we were at school, she took a little break with the other moms from school, and they were in a bowling league. And that was her big social event for the week. But she'd be home in time for when we came home. 
Now, the weird thing, when I was growing up, I was about three or four blocks away from my school. And I can't remember how much time we got for lunch. But at that point, there wasn't lunch being served in school. So in the middle of the day, my mom had to be there because I would walk home with my brothers and sisters, go home, have some fucking SpaghettiOs, and go back to school. It was really kind of a, you know, a 50s, 60s vibe back then. But the women really didn't have any power. They didn't have the ability to do a lot of things that they do now. And they had to fight for that. They had to fucking fight for that. Now, the uproar from this is going to be incredible, an incredible shitstorm. If you're young, I don't know that you can even imagine how bad this is going to be. What kind of, the, the Republicans have no idea what kind of Pandora's box they opened up. I mean, I've been married 38 years. You don't treat women like that because you'll never hear the end of it and they will kick your ass, guaranteed. We're in a different time than the 60s and 70s now. Women have strength, they have power, they have jobs, they have money. They weren't like they were in the 60s and 70s. And if you piss them off, and this does piss them off, well, they're going to fight back and it's not going to be pleasant. We are quickly becoming a country that is being controlled by our churches, and not just any church, just the evangelical churches. It's one of the worst churches because they're hypocritical, they're racist, they're misogynistic, they are uh, looking at women as second-class citizens, they're anti-Semites. They're all about power. They're not about God and loving one another and that sort of thing. I've told you before I got in trouble one time because I spoke ill of evangel- evangelical people, and I have a uh, relative who's an evangelical. And because I did it on Facebook, he took exception to it. And you know me, I could give a fuck. He looked at me in the face, you said evangelicals are the enemy of this country. Now, I'm sure he thought he was intimidating me and that I'd back off and say, no, no, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean you. All I said was, yeah, that's exactly what I said, and I stand by it. And then he didn't know what to do with that. He wasn't going to fight with me, but he was angry. He's still angry with me. I haven't talked to him since that time. And you know what? Good. He's a Trumplafuck. I have no time for those people. I mean, there was once a time in this country where it was a given practice to have a separation between church and state. Now, the evangelicals, they can't even avoid corruption and criminality in their own fucking organization. So we're going to let them control our government? Come on, please. This could be the ultimate demise of this country. And that's the sad thing. That's what we're looking at here. We're hanging on the precipice on any number of things. We've got a Supreme Court that is tainted. we got a Congress that is tainted. The executive branch, fortunately, is coming back because we have decent people in it. But that was hanging by a thread at one point, too. Never in the history of this government, at least certainly in my, my time, in the 62 years I've been alive, have we ever been hanging by a thread like we are now. I've often said the 60s were even more problem problematic than what we're dealing with now. And in some ways, that's true. 
I mean, we had all kinds of protests and demonstrations and riots and killings at Kent State. You had four separate major assassinations. You had Vietnam. You had Watergate. Now, it's funny, when Watergate happened, everybody was concerned that it would tear this country apart. In fact, that was the excuse that Gerald Ford used when he pardoned Richard Nixon when he left office. Oh, we've gone through too much. We don't want to put us through any more. I'm just going to pardon him. Let's forget about it. Let's move on. Now, nobody who was a Democrat at that point really wanted to see that happen. They wanted Richard Nixon accountable. But here's the fucking deal. What Richard Nixon did was minuscule compared to what the Republican Party and Donald Trump have done. So now we're at this point, what do we do? We can't just let them fly, just let them go. I mean, it's one thing to break into another party's uh, headquarters and steal information for the, for the election. That's nothing compared to trying to overthrow the government, gaslight the whole fucking country, trying to coerce and blackmail secretaries of state. That's a big deal. You can't just let that go, otherwise somebody will certainly try it again. And maybe next time, they're successful. So you can't do that. I really think the Republicans have made some big mistakes here. They've alienated a lot of people in this country. Important voting blocks. The most important being women. Now, of course, there's going to be some women out there that... uh, that say, yeah, I agree, we shouldn't have abortion. See, the problem is we're still going to have abortion. It just won't be safe abortion. We know this because that's the way it was before Roe v. Wade. Abortions were happening, but they were happening unsafely. Now, see, here's the the thing how it'll work out, though. It's not like they overturn Roe v. Wade and then everywhere in the country is... Uh, it's illegal to have an abortion. That's not the way it is. What they're saying is they want the states to make the choice. Roe v. Wade was a federal thing, so everybody around the country fell under that umbrella. What they want to do is just assign it to the states. And that's fine, but uh, there's more to it than that, and there's a reason to have the federal, federal coverage here. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to have half the states in this country that make abortion legal. And then you're going to make the other half that have it perfectly legal. Like here in Minnesota, I don't think it will change. I think it will still be legal. So now we'll have all these people leaving one state to go to another state to get an abortion. Now, we've talked about abortion. I'm not going to get into it. Um, But... This is really going to wreak havoc in this country. It's going to cause all kinds of fucking problems. Uh, this was settled law. This should not have been fucked with. It's, it's a tough situation. If you tell women that you don't have a right over your body, and we're going to take this constitutional right away from you, if you don't think you're at risk for having another constitutional right taken away from you, you're mistaken. Once the government finds a way to take something away from you, trust me, they will. They take your money and taxes and give it to the rich people, for Christ's sake. Do you think they're going to even blink when it comes to taking away a uh, constitutional right if it's in their best interest to do that? No. 
This is a bad precedent to set for our country. This country is supposed to be run by us, but we've allowed the uh, elite and the uh, government officials to make choices for us, do things for us, even if it isn't in our best interest. And we've been lazy. We haven't done anything. We haven't put any pressure on them. And when you do that over years and decades, this is where you end up. It's still not too late yet. But the fact of the matter is, is we got to get on it now. We've got to get the millennials, the Gen Zs, the Gen X, the boomers, all fighting back against this. This isn't even about partisanship. This isn't even about Democrats or Republicans. This is about the rights of the people. This is about not allowing a church to run this country. This is about not allowing a party to game a system in order to maintain power, even if it goes against our Constitution. We've got a lot of things to deal with here. We've got a lot of things to fix, and you can't do it by sitting on your hands and keeping your mouth shut. We need a big influx of people talking, and we need an even bigger influx of people voting in 2022. That's going to be a very pivotal point. If the Republicans win, I won't say it's over, but it's fucking close. If the Democrats win, we have some opportunities to repair all the damage that was done by the Republicans and Donald Trump. So this is absolutely crucial. And we really need to get those millennials and Gen Zs out there, get them to vote, because they're the ones that are going to take the brunt of something like this with this, this Roe v. Wade being overturned. They're going to get the hit. They're the ones having the kids. They're the ones having the problems that we've already gone through. It really doesn't affect us that much other than our own grandkids uh, and our own kids. But it doesn't affect us. That's why I think it's so weird that all boomers and some Gen Xers are the ones making the choice on this. It's kind of like going to war. You got all these old white men sending the young men to war, and they're in their comfortable seats and their limousines and in their nice restaurants while poor younger kids are getting killed. This is the same thing. These people are passing judgment on abortion and birth and all that sort of thing. But they're not even involved. They have nothing to do with it. They're not connected to it. Millennials and Gen Zers should have a right to choose their own destiny. And that's why I've said a number of times we need to get the old white men out of office and get a younger man or woman in office next time around. It's time that the young people set up their future and their destiny, and they're not going to do it with an old white man uh, being president of the United States or sitting in Congress. We need a massive shift here and get some of the younger people on board to see if they can do a better job than we did, because we certainly fucked it up. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. want to thank you very much for taking the time to listen. I hope you have a great day, and we will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.